Bienvenidos y bienvenidas a Puentes para la Misión. Welcome to Bridges for Mission. Bienvenue au Pont pour la Mission. Listeners on the Bridges for Mission, we are so delighted that you've joined us for another episode. And um, this is Reverend Sandra Dorsonville, one of the co-producers for the B4M podcast. And I'm here with um, my collaborator, my co-laborer, um, the... Um, we started this thing together and we are so delighted. So Minister Nicole, you want to say hello to our listeners? Of course. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good middle of the night. <laughs> I know. We touch them at any time zone and and it's so exciting. We have over 2,000 followers. Can you believe this, Nicole? I cannot. Uh, I am baffled and breathless every time I check the the stats for this and just so blessed and honored. Yeah, it is exciting. So thank you listeners from Zimbabwe, Tanzania, South Africa, um, many countries in Europe, New Zealand, Australia, many countries in South, South America. Um, but today we have such an honor and privilege to be with Reverend Dr. Danchetti. I tell you, you will be in for such a beautiful treat. So grab a pad of paper and pencil because you're gonna to wanna to take notes. Uh, truly a lot of gems are gonna be shared. Um, so again, thank you and welcome to Reverend Dr. Dan Chetty. Um, it is a delight to have you. And would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Who is Reverend Dan Chetty? <laughs> Thank you, Sandra. It was very kind of you to um, invite me to join you guys this morning and also to say a little bit about ourselves. Um, my name is Dan, Daniel. My wife's name is Sarah. Uh, we went to Lebanon in 1998, in the fall of 1998. Um, we are honored to be the first American Baptist missionaries appointed to Middle East and North Africa. So, it is a tremendous blessing and an honor to be representing the ABC USA churches in the Middle East. Uh, we went to, uh, I as a faculty member, to Arab Baptist Theological College in Beirut. Uh, Sarah was a librarian, and that's how we went there. Uh, it's a unique seminary, perhaps the only seminary in the region which can freely admit students from any background those who are seekers as well are welcome to come from nine countries across Middle East and North Africa. So it's a unique seminary it started in 1957 by the Southern Baptists. And it has a unique, it is unique in the sense that all the churches of the regions like the American Baptists, Canadian Baptists, British Baptists, Southern Baptists, uh, conservative Baptists, all of them participate together. And also, it's not a Baptist seminary, in that also in the sense that majority students come from all backgrounds, all uh, denominations. So it's, it's, a, it's a unique um, seminary to be there, to be educating people from across nine countries of the region. 
Um, so that's how we went there. I as a teacher, Sarah as the librarian. That's wonderful. That's such a an awesome pairing between a professor and a librarian. That's that's adorable. That's so cute. Um, so my our first question, my first question for you um, is over the years that you've spent serving um, in this ministry, how have you seen it change um, and grow for either the better or for the worse? Because we know, you know, it's that whole, you know, two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. So what have what have been kind of your steps forward and maybe a step back through this time? Uh, Lebanon is is very unique, as I said earlier, that to be the location for this seminary. But historically, um, it's a country that is much open. It's in the crossroads of Europe, uh, Middle East, and Africa. So, and it has always had people. It's a very, very multi-ethnic, multicultural country. Um, and it has, it's open to the West, open to the East, open to Africa, open to other countries in the Middle East as well. So it's uniquely located. And that seminary itself has a long history. Its graduates probably numbering, I would say around 400 of them. In all these countries already ministering, working, uh, involved in church ministry, youth ministry, women's ministry, uh, engaged in sharing the faith and love of Jesus Christ with their own people living embedded among their own communities. So it's a very unique opportunity for us to be there and to partner with our Lebanese partners and partners from other parts of Middle East and North Africa. Um, shifts would be that Lebanon, you know, came out of long 15 year civil war when we went there. Uh, after between 1975 to 1994, they had tremendous upheaval in the country, a um, lot of lives lost, um, upheavals completely uh, shattered the country and it was in the process of rebuilding when we went there. Uh, I know, <laughs> I remember it wasn't uncommon for cars to get suddenly in the middle of the road, you hit a huge hole in the wall, hole in the ground, and you break your axle. I mean, that's a common thing, those days of early days. It's all been repaired and Lebanon was rebuilt beautifully um, and positioned itself as a tourist attraction. But there was always some kind of a problems of Lebanon. Lebanon is very precariously balanced between the large groups of people, between the Sunni community, Shia community, and Christian community. But within each of them, there are many, many factions. So there is, it has a semblance of um, democracy. It has elections. At the same time, it's always fragile. It's always held together by very, very um, kind of a disturbing community rivalry. And it coexisted like that for a long time. Uh, the currency was fairly stable for 15 years or 20 years. And suddenly last August, a little bit earlier than that, the currency began taking a beating. There was a huge explosion in the port of Beirut, resulted in the deaths of many people, many, many houses destroyed in the beachfront, um, many people injured. So in a way, 
from then on, not only the uh, finances, financial institutions collapsed, the many, many infrastructures have destroyed. Uh, so we're seeing this is one of the most precarious times of in the history of Lebanon, what we are now seeing. So you are true that every step forward is really, again, going back two steps backward. This seems to be the pattern of Lebanon. Uh, and often you will hear Lebanese saying, oh, deja vu all over again. I mean, it's happening repeatedly. Uh, so some uh, people are worried, how long can a country sustain itself with so many repeated uh, attacks on its um, uh, political institutions and economic institutions and social institutions. So it's a difficult challenge for Lebanese. I also hear, and I'm sure um, Nicole, you, you hear it as well from what Dan has shared, um, the beauty of the coexisting, that interfaith dialogue, that interfaith um, juxtaposition that happens, you know, at the seminary and just how much we can learn. Um, a lot of the Western countries can learn through that. How can we study and be immersed and, and, and learn and, and take from that coexistence of living? Can you share a little bit more um, and maybe what has evolved out of that? I know there is enduring love that um, is something that is very much cherished for you, but can you engage us a little bit more with that? Well, our seminary itself has been in the forefront of this dialogue um, with other Christian communities, as well as with Muslim and Druze communities. And we always had every summer, uh, Dr. Martin Aad has organized and ABTS organized a Middle East conference. Um, we had intentionally uh, brought in people from other faiths to get to be part of the dialogue, uh, not diluting what we stand for, what the Christian faith is, at the same time being open to have frank and open discussions with other groups of people. And that's been the kind of important crossroads that ABTS is functioning, both physically as well as intellectually with all these various groups. And we've had that conversation and continues that conversation. Right now, I'm not directly involved in teaching. Uh, I no longer am a professor. The ministry that God has placed me is taking me in a different direction. As I said earlier, it's a convenient place for me to be in Lebanon, but I'm involved in traveling to uh, these seven countries. God has led me in that direction. Um, it's called enduring love, uh, enduring, we be, actually, the history of that is emerged uh, right after 2010, we had the Arab Spring, the tremendous uh, uh, movement, the kind of a Renaissance movement in the, that part of the world. So a lot of forces came into interplay. What is emerging as a transformative time in the history of the Middle East, particularly certain parts of the Middle East. And coinciding with that was a 2014 200th anniversary of the international ministries. And I prayed and I, I sought God's will. How can we um, see this as an important mo moment in history, both for our mission 
and for the region as well, how can we see and see God's hand directing us in a new direction? And IAM has a wonderful um, ministry in Asia, Africa, Latin America for where the children of uh, Adoniram Judson or William Carey, and we initiated tremendous movements for uh, to share the love of Christ through word and through deed in many parts of the world. And yet we there is a huge gap in our perception of Middle East. Uh, we think of it as a, a dangerous country. Uh, perhaps we need to, either through fear or indifference, we avoid that region. But I, I, I believe God is asking us to be more closely engaged. God's children are already there. They're working, they're witnessing, they're serving their own people. How could we be agents that we come alongside with them and, and enable them to function and to, and, and to minister to their own people? And that's the desire out of which um, Enduring Love, actually we called it AWI, initially Arab World Init uh, Initiative. It was a strategic initiative. Gradually, we felt God calling us to change the name uh, to Enduring Love. Uh, this is, I have been praying about it. My partners have been praying about it. How do we, why do we need to change? It, it really, I, I, let me read to you. I think most of you are aware of this 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. Speaks about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor people. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Rejoices with truth. Always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. That's a kind of endearing love that Jesus believed in. That's a kind of endearing love. We should be taking the word of God, the word of Jesus into the regions with that kind of a persuasive love that does not keep wrongs and we coming with the baggage of the western world against islam uh, we felt this is the best and the most appropriate way to share the love of jesus that kind of a love that is endearing towards people and goes the second mile without being offended so we change the word and, and that's the reason for our ministry is the enduring love we're supporting uh, 26 servants of God in seven countries. Um, that's where we are now focused uh, our, our, our work. Um, we're doing all kinds of ministries, including business and business and mission. Uh, one of our servants of God is engaged in, um, uh, he has a small business, a textile business in Egypt. Um, half of his employees are Muslims, half of the employees are Christian. Uh, it's a wonderful witness, both Christians and Muslims working together uh, harmoniously in this business enterprise and coming up with products that are appropriate for that little small village or small town market. Uh, another person is engaged in um, satellite business. He's selling satellites and computer parts and computer software. In other regions of the world, we're involved in educational institutions. Uh, so um, 
another area we're involved in a cafe, uh, especially it's, it's a very remote part of, uh, uh, of, of, I don't mind saying the word, name of the country in Sudan. You know, it's wonderful to have a cafe and two flat screens and we have a whole bunch of people coming to watch uh, world soccer football or European football and just tremendous attraction for young people to come and sit down and have a cup of coffee and watch football. So in a way, these are all business enterprises that are self-supporting uh, for the community. It empowers the local people at the same time provides employment opportunity and places to meet for the young people. Um, so that's the kind of work we're involved in uh, in, in some, of the, some of the countries in the 77. That's exciting. In a way, you know, I hear contextualizing the, the ministry, also looking at normalizing some just interactions that, you know, are um, lift up human dignity and honoring um, the other and being truly thy neighbor, as we are called to, to be, um, for those of us who are Christian. So um, yeah. it is a model that I feel we should be paying more attention to. So I'm really grateful that you are with us on this episode and really, um, and people are, are listening. I really feel that in my spirit, that people are listening and taking notes and, um, and wondering, so how can, we, how can we replicate in our own context um, mm -hmm. what we see elsewhere? Isn't that what you uh, feel, Nicole, as well, in your spirit? I do, because um, on a much smaller scale in my own seminary experience, having even just the diversity within the denominations was impactful. So having full different religious beliefs come together and serve alongside each other, I can only imagine the, the beauty that comes along, um, the different worlds colliding in a, in a wonderful way. So it, it yeah, it, it brings joy and hope. It does. And just walking side by side, it's kind of, you know, trying to visualize that the path, the Emmaus uh, walk being done by so many voices and, and, and all mm -hmm. in and respecting each other's voices. So do you, um, can volunteers, US base volunteers come alongside Enduring Love or do you um, really promote or encourage more for um, folks from the Middle East to, to be the ones to volunteer and lift up in that area? I would say both. Um, we have enough interest in the Middle East as well to know about other regions, uh, not just Lebanese in Lebanon, but in surrounding. There are certainly people from Lebanon go to um, Syria quite frequently. Some of them go to Egypt. So there is interest already in that looking across the region but there's also possibility for, for churches in other parts of the world to participate in this. Uh, most often we have been having um, medical clinics. So that's the kind of volunteers groups that we've had, at least three or four uh, medical teams visit us. Um, there's always need for that. My wife's ministry is among the migrant domestic workers, uh, which is also pioneering in the sense that she's our organization is the first of its kind in the entire Protestant organization in the entire Middle East and North Africa. So she's quite proud of that. And that's another area that we could easily absorb volunteers uh, working with the migrant domestic workers, many, many things with the migrant MBWs. Um, medical is one of the areas that lends itself 
easily for volunteers. Um, there isn't a lot of construction. Uh, the construction here tends to be quite different from the construction uh, we have in North America, um, but certainly working counseling is one area. Um, um, we have churches among the Lebanese, among the Kurds, among the Sunnis, among the Shia, a uh, whole gamut of range of people are part of our congregations. And um, uh, so anything to do with people, humanity with the needs of humanity, I would say is a, is a legitimate area that we could perhaps facilitate. But Middle East, as you know, is a, is a region that needs to be very sensitive when people come to read the signs of the times and to be mindful and be respectful of the culture and the people. And with all those things in place, I would say our, our partners would be willing, and not in big numbers, but in, 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 in manageable numbers to have volunteers, I, I, I would say that. That's exciting. It's definitely one for Sandra and myself to put on our radar to, um, to keep track for individuals and for opportunities that open up for sure. Um, so my last question for you kind of goes alongside of that, um, but more specifically towards seminarians who may be interested in serving um, in these regions. What would be some words of advice that you um, could get them and how can they best prepare to come and to serve? Um, we do have seminarians coming from time to time, uh, taking classes at the same time, um, doing specific things. For instance, uh, there was a time when Sarah wanted to computerize library, library books. And we had a, a student from Western seminary, a conservative seminary, uh, come and spend at least six months uh, helped her in the in the computerizing books and so on. So in a way, there are times and places where we can have specific uh, responsibilities open for seminarians. Uh, ABTS, I'm not exactly sure what programs they have right now. Certainly, language study is the top most important for us. Anybody who's interested in this part of the world, we encourage them to study Arabic. Um, they could take some classes at ABTS at the same time, study Arabic. In the seminary itself used to have a language school, uh, of Arabic language school. And if I'm not quite sure if it's still functioning, but it's one of those things that you can very easily do in Lebanon. Um, you can also do, by the way, if you're interested in North African dialect of Arabic, we can do it in Morocco. We have an institution. Mm -hmm in Morocco, educational institution in Morocco, which also engages uh, individuals, volunteers to teach Moroccan or North African version of uh, uh, Arabic. Um, at the same time, be participating in the life of the community there. They have also in, uh, uh, in Jordan, Jordan is well known to have good educational centers, language centers. But Lebanon is unique in the sense that you, you can have an openness to church at the same time engaged, uh, engaged in other activities and studies of your own. That's wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you 
for coming and joining us today. Um, I'm sure everyone has a full page full of notes um, from this wonderful session. It's been amazing to hear about you and to hear about your ministry. Um, and we are so honored and humbled to have you join us today. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sandra. Thank God you. bless you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. We thank you for listening to Bridges for Mission. You can find more information about the Short-Term Mission Office at internationalministries.org. Also, don't forget to get a hold of the new leader's guide entitled Short-Term Mission Team Essentials Together on the Journey. Uh, you can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Baby, and that we are so glad that you joined us today. So thank you for all the subscribers and from listening from all continents. Thank you and have a good one.